All right, welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. We go to Mark Mills, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and uh, Forbes columnist and um, ace climate change analyst. Mark Mills, welcome back. Here's probably my favorite story now. I've been on vacation all week, but I do scan the headlines and stuff. Uh, the state of California under Gavin Newsom has said in, in 10 years, no more internal combustion engine cars. No more gasoline-powered cars. Okay. Yeah. I think, what, 2035. Okay, that's great. Then, a few days later, comes a new announcement that says uh, electric vehicles, EVs, cannot be charged because there's an electricity shortage. <laughs> now, you've got to help me on this. On the one hand, they say we have to have all these EVs. But on the other hand, they say, well, you can't charge them because there's not enough electricity. Can you help me with this? Can you sort this out for me? Because it sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> you, 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 just, you just can't make this stuff up? I mean, no. you can't. And, of course, that, that it's no coincidence that uh, Governor Newsom's signed legislation to extend the life of the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant mm. because he was doubtless told behind closed doors by the Grid, grid operator, they don't produce electricity, they just keep the lights on, they operate, that if you took the Abla Canyon offline, you would not only not charge EVs at inconvenient times, there would be lights out events for California regularly. So, you know, it's just, um, I've used, I've hesitated to use the word delusion in my writing about this uh, idea of transitioning away from hydrocarbons, but I did in a new report because it is delusional. It's dangerous because Europe is suffering the advanced stages of the delusion with its dependencies on Russia and the spiking prices there. You know, the grid would have to roughly double in size uh, to s- supply the energy for transportation by shifting from oil and gas to electricity. Just never mind how you make the electricity. And no one has any plans to double the size of the electric grid in California or anywhere else in the country. Hmm. So it's it's really I, – I, I take the over-under bet on what will happen by 2035. I think the law will be uh, quietly reversed, ignored, you know, novated, or it will become the hottest uh, used car market in the world. Yeah. Used car prices will escalate, and jobs for reco- you know, conventional car repairs will soar because you, you simply can't do what they're proposing. But, Mark, behind the electricity sources yeah. are, is fossil fuels. Yeah, well, I mean, it's natural gas, oil, and coal. So let right. me read for our listeners. Uh, you say this in your latest article. After at least $5 trillion in spending over the past two decades, hydrocarbons still supply 84% of global energy, down just yeah. two percentage points. At this pace, it would take 84 years to end fossil fuels. For context... Burning wood still supplies more than five times the amount of global energy that all the world's solar panels. Meanwhile, the total demand for hydrocarbons has risen over those 20 years by an almost equal to six times the entire oil output of Saudi Arabia. In other words, we've spent $5 trillion for what? Fossil fuels still dominate, and they're going to dominate forever. So I don't understand this Green New Deal. I don't understand this transition. Well, there isn't one. That's the whole point of what I was writing, the idea that we're in a rapid uh, transition or can even transition away from using hydrocarbons, in fact, is 
it's not it's not evident in the facts. The facts are, as you outlined from the these are just data. You know, we haven't significantly reduced the percentage role of hydrocarbons, but more importantly, absolute demand for hydrocarbons is rising. And this year, because of what's going on in the world, coal use has soared by an amount greater than any, probably any time in 50 years. It's a stunning increase in capitulation. In Europe, it's capitulating. Here's Germany uh, increasing its coal burn. Citizens are lining up to buy wood and wood-fired stoves, mm. and they finally have a crash program to build natural gas import terminals in Germany. Because if you can't eliminate Russian energy from your supply system, and Russia's total supply is 10% of the world's hydrocarbons, so you can't get rid of the 10%. How in the world do people really think they're going to get rid of the 100%? It really, yeah, it's the, it defies imagination. It's, a, it's the most expensive virtual signaling that the mm-hmm. world has probably ever done. So we just have signed legislation that's going <laughs> to give another $400 billion in various tax credits to renewable fuel sources and EVs and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What yeah. good is that going to do? Well, frankly, uh, except for the kleptocrats in the in the supply chain of money, uh, it will do no good for the, the country. It'll do it'll do the opposite of good for the country. In fact, I would uh, bet, and we haven't seen the analysis yet, that the imputed costs, because this is a direct spending of almost four hundred billion, I'll bet we'll find out that the actual cost of this legislation is closer to a trillion dollars to the economy. Wow. And what it's doing is is anti productivity. The goal in productivity is, you know better than I do is more or better output with less input of dollars and labor. So we're going to increase the cost of producing energy and not get more energy. This this is not – this is very bad for the country. I can only hope that the next Congress will uh, defund – just, you know, leave, leave, leave the shadow of the shell of the bill in place, but just defund it so we don't squander the money. The other side, though, with this battery craze, EVs, batteries – we're helping China. I mean, China yeah. has, right. China yeah. has the resource inputs right. for the right. battery-driven economy. I believe, yes. I mean, why are we doing that? Well, I think, I think, well, setting aside a Machiavellian, you know, cynical theories about why, but what maybe the one answer is ignorance that most people, including policymakers, aren't aware of the fact. That when it comes to the materials, the minerals, the refined materials, you know, the refined lithium, the refined copper, the refined cobalt, the refining process, China utterly dominates for energy minerals. In fact, their dominance in that is twice OPEC's dominance in oil markets. Hmm. Maybe they just didn't notice. They didn't know. Um, but sure, if we build electric cars here, if we build battery factories here, you can do that. But this would be the equivalent of uh, building assembly plants for cars, but having all the parts, components, and steel in engines made in China. But you can assemble them here. You know, this is not good. But you've written, too, that even these wind and solar farms are going to cause carbon emissions. They're also, <laughs> they're also going to disrupt uh, the environment. I mean, there's, you know, these, as I understand it, these wind farms – uh, you know, you're not putting up a, a, a wooden windmill like you did in the 16th century in Amsterdam, right? No. These are yeah. gigantic undertakings, cause hundreds of acres, and you're going to have to dig up everything. And the power used for that is going to come from, from fossils. 
Exactly. Well, so the inconvenient fact in this is that to deliver the same unit of energy to society, the same mile of driving, same unit of heat to a house or to heat up silicon to make semiconductors, that you use a thousand percent more materials and minerals to deliver the same unit of energy if you switch from hydrocarbons to wind, solar, and batteries. A thousand percent increase in steel, copper, cobalt, lithium, manganese. So you have to ask yourself, not only where does it come from, which is not here, and what does it cost and its environmental impacts, but to your point, all these minerals are uh, extracted from the earth with big, heavy diesel-burning machines. Mm. Steel is made with metallurgical coal. The fiberglass blades in, the, in wind turbines are made from uh, you know, hydrocarbons and fabricated using hydrocarbons. In fact, a single small wind farm has more plastic made from hydrocarbons, a single small wind farm, more plastic than those blades that can't be recycled than all the world's plastic straws combined. I think these greenies have this romantic 17th century or 16th century vision. This is where they want us to go. I mean, I think they're Luddites. Uh, I think they're anti-progress. I mean, Mark, if you do this sensibly, wouldn't you let a 1,000 flowers bloom? We just need more energy, just more energy of all kinds. Isn't that the way to go? This is exactly the way to go, and I've written this and said it many times. This is, an, this is to use the Obama line. He was right, even though he was probably politically cynical. You need the, all of the above yes. because of the quantity of energy society needs. And cheap energy creates wealth for everybody in the world. We need more cheap energy. And there will be lots more windmills. They have a big role, lots more electric cars. They're nice, but mm-hmm. quit subsidizing them. They'll get cheaper in time. Just be patient. Just be patient. We're not being patient. It's silly. It's a, it is a Luddite dream. A lot of them are honest about the fact they would like to have fewer people that are poorer. They've written yeah. as much. Yeah, I, I, I think right. that's profoundly immoral. Profoundly immoral. Yeah, I think you're 100% right. Uh, they're basically anti-growth uh, type people. So you, <laughs> why won't they open up? I mean, if you want – look, I have nothing against EVs. I admire Elon Musk. I, I think he's a really uh-huh. cool guy. But the point really? is – why, you, you have to allow us to uh, mine our resources. I mean, we have a lot of cobalt and lithium and all that stuff, don't we? We do. In fact, the United States is an extraordinarily uh, rich province, so to speak, in geological terms, of all kinds of minerals. We just have a regulatory environment hostile to it. Right. I, I admire Elon Musk as well. In fact, he said recently, because he knows about the mining supply chain, I loved when he said, I, Elon Musk, might have to get into the mining business. I hope he does. He'd shake yeah. it up and bring it back here, lobby for mines in America. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, you just have to open the spigots. And yeah, I agree. The, right? But the greenies want to close the spigots. And, and closing the spigots will... Huh? Yeah. Open means, all the spigots. The mining spigots, right. the oil and gas spigots. That's I agree. Right. That's right. Open all the spigots. If you close all the spigots like they want... It'll be a catastrophe. I mean, really, they'll destroy the economy. Well, it will, because the, the, the singularly most impressive achievement of humanity has been the pushing of the cost of food and fuel into the background of our economy. used to be the 80 percent of an economy was tied up in buying food and fuel. In a modern economy, it's like 15 oh, percent. Their path puts us, puts us back into prehistory, back into the Middle Ages, frankly. That's be a terrible. fabulous point. That's a terrific point. Anyway. Mark Mills, Manhattan Institute, climate expert. Thank you, Mark. Uh, we got to get you on the TV show again to walk through all this stuff. I'll be back from vacation on Tuesday. Folks, we're going to take a very quick break, and then 
I'm going to have to have a look at the whole business about Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago and the argument about documents and what knows. Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst, is going to come on the show. Let me take a quick break here. We'll get to Greg Jarrett on the other side. 